episode of avocado and honey it's your girl samanji and today we have mr darnell walker how are you i'm good how are you i'm great i good. do appreciate you um coming in and um doing this interview sure. yeah <laughs> we're sitting in the middle of barnes and nobles right now <laughs> <laughs> on the floor we're about to get hey, this we made done. some stuff happen Yo. so listen listen <laughs> i love innovation and i'm all for it <laughs> best studio ever <laughs> Perfect. Well, um, I got Darnell here because you created a really great documentary. The first one I did see was Seeking Asylum, mm -hmm. which I do appreciate you making as well. But um, the one that we want to talk about today is Outside the House, which um, basically goes in on mental wellness and mental health. Yes. Uh, what made you want to just uh, do the documentary? Uh, it was a it was a culmination of a lot of things. Uh, I think over the years there have been friends of mine who've killed themselves. Uh, you get. Uh, articles all the time on Facebook, social media about someone that's killed, that's committed suicide. Um, and it's such a, it's such a thing that, we, and we're still not having these conversations about it. And so I said, you know, what could I do to put it in the face of people to make them at least think about it and talk to someone about it? And I said, ah, oh, well, you know, I think I'm a filmmaker now. <laughs> Let's make a film. And that's what I did. Um, and even just like my last film, there's a part in there where I'm talking about a friend of mine who committed suicide a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so just thinking about my last film, I was sitting there and I'm like, huh, yeah, you know, I really need to talk about that. And um, so that's what that's where it started. Just thinking about the the, the number of suicides, the increasing number of suicides. I said, I think there was an article that was released recently that said black boys are the highest growing number of suicide rates, mm -hmm. you know. And um, so I, it's we need to talk about it. Yeah. And why do you think it is so like taboo in like the black community? Because there was su there was such a long time for us, um, such a period of time for us where we had to keep quiet to to show our strength, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I don't think that time exists anymore. But no one told us that that time was over. And so it's like, yeah, we don't talk about it. Be strong. Be a man. Be a woman. Be a black woman. You mm -hmm. know, um, like there are parts in the film where um, Lauren she's talking about how black women are told are have to be strong for everybody. Yeah, you know what I mean? actually, I wrote that down. Did you write that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and so that's a thing because there was a time in in life where we had to be strong because we if we shared our everyone was going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I'm not going to put my problems on these people. But now that's not the case. And we need to put these problems on people who are there to listen to these problems because it's really killing us. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I do see you going in a lot because we're, we're Facebook friends. Yeah. And um, what you're doing is amazing. And you're basically reaching out to like tons of therapists mm -hmm. and things like that. So they can yeah. give, um, I guess, like free work or, yeah, or free yeah. like therapy sessions or even at a lower cost. So how did you like start doing that? Like what's like how do you reach out to people? Right on. Um it wasn't hard. I, once I put the film out and people saw that, actually, I start here. So there was a, before I put the film out, and when I was in the very beginning stages of making this film, mm -hmm. I put it on Facebook. I was like, black people, if you've sought mental health, mental health assistance, um, what made you go? And it was a little hesitation in the like maybe the first couple of minutes. Um, someone wrote something, and someone else would come and write something, and then the w the wall just flooded. It was maybe 150 comments, you know. 
and it just took some people to see that there are other people out there like them going through these things and then they start saying oh and they start opening up um, and at the same time a lot of those people on the wall were therapists counselors as well and so oh. they're saying you know I went to seek help because of this and now I'm a counselor and I really want to make sure that others are doing that so a lot of the people who are now opening uh, offering their assistance also went through a couple of things themselves and, and realized the importance in it um, and then some because a lot of times we go into our jobs uh, a lot of people who get into the law and medicine and mental and counseling mm-hmm. we all go into it saying things like you know I just want to make the world a better place but then we get in there and it becomes about money so I had to remind some people like listen I know why you got in there you know <laughs> like listen I don't don't let this money get get to you. I remember you saying you wanted to help the world, and the world has no money, so we're all broke. So can these people get free assistance? And then even for some who can't really offer free assistance because they work for organizations, we also raise money mm-hmm. um, for people to go and uh, try to get help as well. So yeah. And on um, the Facebook post that you that you made, what was the mm-hmm. like the most common thing that made people go out to seek help? Yeah, uh, I think one of the most common was uh, a lot of people were saying that they realized that it was okay not to be okay mm-hmm. and they they were just having um issues with depression uh, depression is a huge thing uh, amongst black folks um uh, and anxiety is a big thing mm-hmm. uh, and not even and they went because they didn't understand what it was they needed to put a name to whatever that feeling was they had mm-hmm. and so that was the most common one um, but we had people who went because um, their marriage was falling apart um or because it was hard like one you're from los angeles the area um there was one um, my friend akua she says uh you know i just i feared i was going to die every day because living in LA in the 80s was a hard time and she's like and that's why I went to seek help and it's like yeah you know like it was, it was a range of issues but depression and anxiety and not being able to put a name to that was the biggest thing for me uh, because you know we all definitely go through our whole little mm-hmm. depression thing and then moving here and just life in general yeah um so but like like I told you like before when we started the um the interview my like I was homeless out here and then that was kind of like the like gateway into re- or, or guess mm-hmm. going to hit rock bottom right um, but for me, the thing that kind of prevented me from, uh, like, seeking help was the fact that I didn't want to be, like, hooked on prescription drugs. Right. So, and then I did see, like, in your in your documentary, you did kind of, like, or a couple people in the documentary touched on it a little bit. Yeah. But what do you, like, what do you think about that, like, about just prescriptions and when it comes to basically, like, trying to aid ourselves back to help? Yeah, I think... It's it's such a, a fine line between it's such a fine line to walk. I think I think a lot of times people I know a lot of people who are like I don't want to go and take these drugs that they're going to give me, and a lot of times a lot of these doctors are just you walk in there and some of my friends who are in the film you know they say I walked in the office and they talked to me for five minutes and just threw drugs at me and was like here go get better and they weren't trying to get to the root of the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that, but I think that sometimes like I but I also have friends who went to seek. Uh, went to seek a therapist, um, psychiatrist, and they talked to them for weeks. And then they said, okay, listen, now if you still think that I need these, so I think these, I think you have to really know your doctor. It's about finding the right fit. And, you, mm-hmm. and most of the time we know who's right for us and who's not. Yeah. If you don't feel comfortable in there, leave. You know, if, if it's not the fit you want, like if you feel you aren't opening up the way you feel like you should be, leave. Uh, and you know, don't let those people write you a, write your prescription if you feel they don't know you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's all about finding the right fit and finding the people who you trust well enough to know, okay, this is this will help you. But I think it's a real thing. Um, 
like I have friends who just walked in and they and they took the drugs. And I have one of my friends who who's in the film, um, he can't remember several years of his life. Yeah, you know, and it's like. Dang, but he he was in a situation where it was like you take these drugs and we're gonna give you a dishonorable discharge from the military, mm-hmm. and so it was a it was a messed up situation. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard, it's hard, but you really just have to use that that common sense yeah thing, you know, and say, okay, you you know me and I trust you, I'll take your drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also to um, representation, and mm-hmm. I did you guys tackle that in mm-hmm. the the documentary as well. Reputation when it comes to like finding the perfect therapist, because yeah. for me, um, I did seek help when I because um, I was very suicidal as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's when I knew realized like I need to get some help. Yeah. So what I did was like on a train. There's a lot of like things like resources out here in New York City uh, when it comes to like depression and stuff. Right probably because this is New York City, New York. <laughs> yeah. and uh, most of them were like. Um, kind of like text like text this person mm-hmm. or text wellness to this and okay. you can like text with a, a therapist and it was just like I, I would like you know literally pour my heart out and then they'll just be like I'm sorry you feel that way like no one should ever feel that way and I'm like but I'm feeling this way so like how would so you what, like like help me right. have you ever or do you know anyone who used any of those services like the text ones and no I um I don't know anyone who who who's used that service i do know there are a few and i know I, there's I one in la as well any, but wow i mean i i me myself i would be skeptical of it mm-hmm. i think um because of that like i would use it um but i would definitely need a very human response yeah. in return yeah and i think a lot of things get lost in text messages mm-hmm. you know like emotion and anything everything gets lost except the you know the written word and it's like oh, so if i write if i pour my heart out to you in a 25 page text <laughs> message and you write back okay then <laughs> we got I'm a problem more fucked up yeah. than i was when I, you know what i mean yeah. so it's like oh but no, so I don't. I don't know anyone that's used that, but I do have friends who um, have their therapist on like a as needed basis. Where like if we're sitting somewhere and suddenly I feel a certain way, I just hit my therapist up. But it has to be someone you already know, mm-hmm. so that they they can text their therapist and say, "This is how I'm feeling now," and that therapist knows them well enough to know how to respond. Right. But if it's a stranger, I don't know. If they they don't know you. So again, yeah, it is finding that that representation. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what do you say, though, for someone who, like, wants to speak with someone but they can't afford it or they don't have any, like, medical insurance and Mm -hmm. things like that? Like, how do you think – how do you think – or what would you suggest they go about, like, finding help? Yeah, that's the hard part, Um, finding people willing to listen when when you don't have the money for it. Um, A lot of times – a lot of my – a lot of people I've run into, so one, a lot of people I've run into didn't know that their jobs cover mental health yeah. assistance. They like they had no idea. And so, mm-hmm. I, so that's what I'm pushing now. Like, go talk to your jobs. Go talk to these people um, and see what exactly they offer. Um, I remember working for a job in L.A. And it was crazy because we didn't have we didn't get any benefits for like 90 days. Mm-hmm. But except mental health, mental health assistance. And that, they came immediately. That was mm-hmm. like the only thing you got. And I was like, dang, why would they offer that first? That's strange. And then I realized after working there for a week, and I was like, oh, my God, I need to talk to something. Because it was like a crazy job. <laughs> um, but um, for everyone else, I think that it's there is someone willing to listen. Like a friend. Friends. Um Although, like, I, friend, somebody's always willing to listen. Like, definitely talk to a friend. Like, if you can't, if you can't afford assistance, talk to someone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I also I also believe in talking to some to people who aren't really emotionally invested in you. So there there are times when you can talk to a friend, but the, your friend is just gonna tell you what they think you should hear based on their knowledge of you. Right. Um, instead of the things that therapists would say based on them not even not really knowing you, but knowing your issues and knowing um, what you're going through. Um, and so a friend um, hop on Craigslist. There are people offering free services. You know. Oh leverage leverage whatever talents you have like go on craigslist post an ad in like the one of the sections say hey listen i'm offering if you're a painter i'm offering a free painting in exchange for a free therapy set you know it like there's always something like even here in new york they have the um free mental uh assistance in harlem the Mm -hmm. clinic that opened up at first corinthians um the hope center and they're offering free services for for people here in in new york and so it's like there's somewhere Pastors are trained to do it, although everybody doesn't go to church. I'm not a church goer. But I'm not either. Yeah, like I, you know. <laughs> but they are. They, I do know that there are some pastors out there who are well trained in speaking with people, whether you're part of their congregation or not. Mm-hmm. There's still someone that you can speak to, and maybe they can offer some kind of assistance. But there's always someone willing to listen. I just don't want people to feel like they're alone. Mm-hmm. out here and there's no one they can talk to and i think that's the biggest the biggest mm-hmm. issue too is that the feeling of loneliness yeah that's i mean it's huge like just feeling like like I, I think no matter how many times you say it like we could say it over and over to someone that's going through depression or anxiety or whatever but when it hits it feels like you're there by yourself and that you're the only one in the world that's going through that and i think that we just have to keep reminding ourselves when that when that thing hits that it's like okay i'm not the only person going through this and mm-hmm. i need to talk to someone like you have to intentionally and consciously do that and we have to always remind people that they aren't alone in that yeah and I kind of want to go back to when uh, what you said earlier about uh, black boys being like the the suicide rate rate increasing. Um, I know um, recently you heard the story of the the eight year old boy. Yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah. So why? Yeah. Like, because I read like a couple of like you know like pieces on it, and mm-hmm. then like you have the piece where it's just like you know we need to handle mental health and all this, and then you also have the one who like who's blaming people and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, what do you think like we can do to decrease and just like do you think just speaking about it is enough? Um, speaking about it isn't enough. I think we we definitely need to put some action to it. Um, I think we need to we need to teach it's it's a it's a learning thing we have like young boys and young young people um we really have to teach emotional intelligence too like a lot of us didn't learn it so Mm -hmm. we don't even know how to teach it um but the resources are out there um you know i like i have a 12 year old son and growing up you know i had to consciously remind myself not to stunt his emotional growth (laughs) where you know he would want to always talk to his mom and call his mom and just like love on her like oh i miss you mommy and i'm like no stop you no you know and she's like don't you make him feel bad you know what i mean and basically showing him that it's okay to feel this way and it's okay to like i ask him now like how are you feeling it, what like it's like oh, i'm okay well why just okay you know you have to ask these questions why 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 uh, until you get to a, a some answers um so it's teaching emotional intelligence um is showing up for your kids. Um, like I, one of the story, like with the eight-year-old boy, he was being bullied at school mm-hmm. and they made reports to the school, I think. And it's like, you know, why wasn't the school showing up? We have to hold these people accountable. Right. Um, like it's a lot of accountability that needs to be, need to be taken from many different places. Um, but yeah, I think it starts with raising kids who are very 
in touch with everything and, and able to talk. And the boy, he, I think he was one of those kids. I think he just wasn't being protected enough. Like I don't, I don't know who wasn't protecting him. I'm sure his mom was, but I don't know if the school, the school wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he he told his mom like I'm being. This is what's happening at school. So he was open about it. Someone wasn't protecting him along the way, and I right. think that's what we have to do. We have to start protecting and believing our kids and believing our kids. Yes. Like I, I posted on Facebook last week. I was like, listen, black parents, if your child tells you that the teacher doesn't like them, you show up. Like, yeah. if, whether you, whatever you know, like I mean, there were many times growing up, you're like, oh, I got an F because the teacher doesn't like me. And you're like, oh, okay, and you quick to think the kid is like, oh, you're just not studying, whatever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the teacher does not like that student. I have had plenty of teachers who did not like me, and my mom has shown up. <laughs> and one teacher couldn't talk to me for a whole half of a year. My mother's like, don't you ever talk to my son again while he's in your class. And she did not talk to me. My mother's like, if he has homework, you call me at work, and I will make sure he gets it when he comes home. And that was the situation. So I think we have to have those. You have to show up, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you see the um, Moonlight film? Yes, I recently <sighs> just just seen it. Did and you I like was, it? Yes, I yes, loved it. I loved oh it. And it, it was it was very triggering. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um, that's I think was an important film that needed to be made. Oh my god, it's it's such an important film. And even like I, I wrote a very short review about it, um, basically saying you know I would argue that the film isn't even about sexuality for real. It's yeah. about I think it's about a, a boy who grew up not very emotionally stunted and the only person that he felt saw him um, was Kevin. Yeah. And it was like whatever that was that Kevin was able to give him because Kevin saw him without looking at him with or with pity mm-hmm. or with hatred or whatever. It was like, I just see who you are. And he wanted that. And it's like sometimes that's all we want. And mm-hmm. so a lot of my friends who didn't like it, I had one friend who hated the movie. And he's like, I mean, it just didn't make sense. Who would drive 10 hours just to go down there and get some food and get hugged by someone? I was like, listen, unless you've been through that, unless someone has given you something that that big mm-hmm. in your life, like that man, like Kevin touched him. Like, that meant you know the I mean? world to him. He, like, that, that's all he wanted was to be seen. I said, any, I said anybody would have driven that far or further mm-hmm. just to have that, just to have that feeling again. And uh, so I think, you know, it's... and. That's what he said. Just a hug up, just to, you know, just to, just to get a hug, you know, get a hug and a meal at the diner, you know. <laughs> you know, but it's such it's such an important film, and I think every everybody needs to see yeah. it. And I think we definitely need to take like our sons to see this movie, and it's like, listen, this is life. This is what it is, and uh, yeah, I think it's important. Mm-hmm. And I hope it wins uh, every award at the at the What's Oscars it? this weekend. Is it nominated? It's nominated. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's good. I they hope got, so too. They got a Golden Globe. They, you know, everyone's not. It's it's big. Like it's this is a big thing, and uh, yeah, I'm just proud of everybody in it. Yeah, yeah, I am as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in your documentary, um, I don't remember the guy's name but he I remember him explaining how um, some people they decide to kind of like tackle their emotions and everything before they feel like I guess before they hit rock bottom Mm -hmm. so when do you think or when would you suggest someone would start reaching out for help like when like what type of feeling would if someone have like when would you say like start speaking with someone yeah I I mean I'm I'm a believer that every everyone that's black, excuse me, everyone that's black should be seeking help anyway. Right. Like, because I, I think being black in America, especially, and maybe everywhere in the world, really, um, I mean, we're all just like we've never been without at least stress in the U.S. Um, and so I think we should just seek help anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially when it's more than stress. So anytime you feel more than stressed. Like if you don't, if you can't even 
name the feeling. If you can't describe it to someone, you just feel funny. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I need to go and figure this out because you don't know what the next thing is going to be. Like even me, I went, the first time I, I seen a therapist, I was um, in a relationship in L.A. Mm-hmm. And it w- I was just going to support, you know. I was like, yeah, I'll go. And the therapist is talking to me. And she's like, so tell me about your childhood. Tell me about this. And I'm talking and I'm sitting there like, like, as I'm talking, my eyes are watering up. And I'm like, why do I feel this way? And I never realized that, hey, I could have been talking about some some of this stuff because it never seemed like issues. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't issues. It was just like, oh, yeah, my first memory was at two. And then I remember being four. And then da da da. And life was this and life was that. And she's like, so what happened at three? Why can't you remember it? And why, you know, did you block that out? And I'm like, oh, shit, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I think there are a lot of things that we have hidden in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just talking to someone and just having someone on speed dial that you can call, like, you don't have to go every week. And, right. every, like, don't think that therapist, therapy is, like, something you have to see, someone you have to see every week or every two weeks. Uh, I have friends who go just for fine-tuning, you know. It's like, hey, I see my therapist once every six months. And just to have, we go in there for an hour, catch up with her, and talk about all the stuff that's happened. We get that resolved, or I just share my feelings, and I, I feel better. Um and so it's really on your terms, mm-hmm. um, but I think everyone should see someone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good to know because that's what I, w- I always thought. Like, it's yeah. every week you have to go oh, and no, sit and no. talk about, like, the past. Yeah. No, I think, you know, I think that's a big thing because I think some people, like, I don't have the time to do that. And it's really on whatever time you have. Like, these people work for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you could say, okay, I'm going to come in here and I only want half an hour. How much are you going to charge me for that? Or maybe I just need 15 minutes. I have friends who have their therapist and like, listen, I just need to call you for 10 minutes. Like I have friends who can call their therapist at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, oh, my God, I'm going through this. Can I talk to you for 10 minutes? And they'll talk. So it's like just some fine tuning, you know, just until you feel like, oh, okay, I feel better, you know. Yeah. yeah. And you said that um, you think every black person, especially in America, should seek help. And mm-hmm. I remember in your um, documentary, you guys are talking about like PTSD and everything. Yeah. Can you go in into detail on that? Yeah, it's it's real. Like um, like me. I know me. I, I can w- ride down the street. And it's funny because I, I had a professor in college who said, once you leave America, you're in the rest of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I never understood what that meant until I left America the first time. And I'm walking down the street and a cop. Um, tapped me on the shoulder. I was in Amsterdam. Cops taps, taps me on the shoulder. He's like, oh, watch out, the train's coming. And I was like, okay, thank you. And I kept walking. And then I realized that in that moment when he tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and saw it was a cop, I had no feelings about it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. When in America, I could be walking down the street and a cop is walking by me and suddenly I feel like I got a pocket full of crack. And yeah. <laughs> I, like I just killed like 20 people. And because we're so conditioned here, like they've conditioned us so well that we are all just mentally destroyed on, on some level. And uh, that's a part of it. Um, you know, we tense up. We we have this fear in us that when we see police or government officials, we think something's going to happen. Um, and so it's it's real. It's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do you, because um, a lot, I, I don't know, she was like my favorite girl in your films. Mm-hmm. You guys are at a park and she has like the big hair. Oh, Tamika, yeah. Tamika, yeah. yeah. I like her. Yeah, but um, I like a couple of things she was saying about mm-hmm. like how um, when she would speak to her friends and how they would react, they would say things like, you know, like, or uh, I'm not sure if it was her or someone else, but they were like, what do you have to be depressed about? Yeah, that's her. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. So like, yeah. I want you to like kind of give tips for people. Like if you do have a friend that were to come to you and they're dealing yeah. with depression, like things that you probably shouldn't say that yeah. would probably 
exactly like offend them or make them go into a deeper depression. Yeah, it's real. Like, yeah, Tamika was on that. I, I love her a lot. She, um, but yeah, it, it happens a lot. Like even me, I'm not, um, I'm not much of, I'm not a depressed person. I wouldn't say I was a depressed person or suffer from anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have had a moment of depression or maybe many moments that I, that I didn't even recognize all the way. Um, but I remember specifically there was this one time when I was in, I was in LA and suddenly I just had this, this moment. I think it lasted about a week and a half, two weeks of just, the, I didn't want to go out the house. I didn't want to do anything. And I had a friend who was like, what are you, and said the same, the exact same thing. It's like, well, just go, just go outside. Just go, <laughs> you know, just go get some food. You just need food. You just, whatever. And it was like, and you, what it feels like is like you are screaming, but you're paralyzed. So no one hears it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, imagine if you were in a coma, but you were awake inside, mm-hmm. and you're just screaming out, and people are just looking at you like, oh, you're all right. You're okay. <laughs> and that's what it, so don't say those things. Don't say, oh, you have all this money. You travel a lot. You, you got a good this. job. You got a good job. What do you have to be depressed about? I should be depressed. You're like, no, it, it doesn't depend on any of that. You could be Oprah, like, Oprah's probably depressed. And who's going to tell Oprah, oh, you're depressed? Because they're like, you can get anything you want. <laughs> but so it's like, you know what I mean? So you can't say those things. Um, but like Tamika said, you know, you can do things that you think will make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a, it's a thing where you don't tell people, like there are things you can do to make people that you think will p- make people feel better. Um, like Tamika said, you know, if you think buying me some ice cream or buying me my favorite latte is going to make me feel better, then go for it. It's like, I will love you for it, but it may not cure whatever I have <laughs> and whatever I'm going through. And so just deal with that. But don't say, don't think that my depression is based on anything. It could just be something that came right. and something that I have to ride out. Right. And know? that's important to say. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Because yeah. people know? think like, because for me, when I was in my little depression, people thought it was solely just because I was homeless. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. no, this is a whole life worth of stuff right now. That's right, just yeah. hitting me right now. Yeah. It yeah. just hits like a ton of bricks. Sometimes it just falls on you. And you're like, I don't know what got me in here. And I don't know what's going to get me out. Mm-hmm. But one day I'll just wake up, hopefully, and I'll be smiling. Yeah. But it may not be tomorrow. It may not be this year. But mm-hmm. let's hope. You know. And speaking of smiling, too. Um, a quote on your in your documentary was it's the smiling faces that we lose mm-hmm. and um it was like you were listing a couple people who yeah. committed suicide and they were infamous for just being so friendly and just yeah. full of life and things like that so i think that's important too that just because someone is smiling doesn't mean that they're not feeling or going to do anything yeah like one was um karen washington yes. who ran the blog for the black empowering girl. black girls mm-hmm. you know and why we should feel good to be who we are and it was so her suicide was like an eye opener for a lot of people it was like well how how mm-hmm. did she do it and she was just telling god and sometimes that's who it is you know and it's like dang so really you don't know and even for me making this film it was a situation of like i've known tamika for uh about 16 15 16 years mm-hmm. now um and some of the other people in the film as well and so i never knew that she was going through that you know uh, until we had we sat down that day and mm-hmm. she's telling me about it and i'm sitting there like Holy you shit. know, wow, I knew you then, and I had no idea. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I knew how to hide it well. You know, it's that thing. And it's like, wow. So you don't you don't know. It could be your mother, father, brother, so anybody, your best friend, and they're just sitting there smiling, and the next thing you know, they're gone. And you're mm-hmm. like, what happened? Like, I had a, my friend called me a couple years ago, and he's like, oh, call me back. Something happened to my sister. Me and his sister went to school together. We were really good friends. Like, I had just talked to her. And mm-hmm. she's one of the people who 
always up and up, ready to go, you know, was laughing. We laughed about it a lot. And um, she committed suicide. Her children found her. Wow. And I mean, like for a week, I'm sitting there like, but how? We were just talking about everything, about what we were going to be doing. And, you know, it's crazy. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, do you know of any, like, natural remedies for, like, dealing with depression or when you're feeling low? I know um, the guy in your documentary, one was, like, weed, and he said arts as well yeah. is what gets him through it. And yeah. someone else mentioned, like, meditation and things like right. that. Like, do you know any other, like, additional? No, I, I don't. Um, I just, like, I, I think finding that thing you're passionate about, mm-hmm. um, it may not cure it. But it, it, it will help you focus on something else um, and create. Like, I, I always tell people, hey, write. Just write. Like, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. Writing makes me feel better. Um, food makes me feel better. Um, but, like, a, a, most of the people in the film or people that I've talked to is like, I smoke. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I smoke <laughs> it weed. Definitely you know? helps, yeah. And I'm like, hey, I'm not, I'm not a weed <laughs> smoker, but I get it. Like, I, I'm, I've been high. That's so definitely, I yeah. <laughs> Self-medicating know? over yeah. here with the weed. <laughs> For sure. Um, what I was going to say, I want to go back to the um, the girl who have, uh, she started the Black Girl Smiles. Mm, Lauren, what was her name? Lauren. Lauren yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she you mentioned it earlier when she was saying that, you know, black women aren't like, yeah. she said back basically that black women aren't usually included when they, they talk about like black health. It's yeah. usually like geared yeah. towards and like And when they're black distributing men. money, uh, it's yeah. about black men. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you like, do you suggest like, or what do you, I don't know, like what do you say to like black women, I guess, for like people who are going through it and they need help and stuff like that. Yeah. And even though they aren't, we aren't included in the funds and everything else. Mm-hmm. Like how do you, what would you suggest like to keep us going? I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that we, we all need to really motivate each other. Yeah. Um, but, black women i think that you have to have friendships with black women right that's important and building relationships with black women and basically hold each other up Mm -hmm. especially when you know that these men aren't going to do it you know it's like huh you know um like there was a there was a quote in there that's like you know i've been fighting for the brothers all this time Mm -hmm. and then the brothers aren't fighting for me what am i supposed to do so fight for the sisters too you know like hold each other up i think that's a big thing but also hold these again hold these organizations accountable that are saying hey we got this grant money to help black men um in mental illness mm-hmm. it's like well what about us because we're suffering too like hold these people accountable mm-hmm. um and yeah i think the biggest thing is basically building these relationships back up with there was an article that came out today that i was reading about um it's called black mothers um secretly hate their daughters or something like that wow. and it's about how black mothers ignore when their daughters are raped or molested and it's like damn like i didn't i read most of the article and then i walked out um so i'm gonna finish it but it's deep and it it talks about that and it's like wow because that happened in the in the film like i Mm -hmm. had a few folks who were molested and their mothers are like all right but we just gonna we not gonna talk about that you know what i mean Uh, i have friends who were molested by uncles and the uncle's still very much a part of the family and he comes to all the dinners and you have to hug him and you hug him and he's still your uncle and it's like no one ever helped me mm-hmm. you know and so it's about trying to get these relationships back in order um i think that's what we need to do but some relationships we have to realize aren't worth saving also yeah so if your mother's not on your side then you gotta let that go yeah I mean, she gave birth to you but you ain't gotta you ain't gotta stick in there this is a, a side note another like movie that i want to or film mm-hmm. i want to know if you have seen it's called princess princess shaw on netflix no 
Okay, it's like this um, the singer from the south and um, some guy in a different country. He's like a, a, a musician, okay. and he goes online to YouTube and he get all these like clips and he like create a whole song with all these people's like instrumentals and like lyrics and things okay. without them knowing, wow. and then it becomes a hit or whatever. But that's one of the things that they tackled or oh, that wow. she actually went through. Like um, she still speaks with her mother and like it was her mother's boyfriend and it oh, was wow. something crazy. It, it, yeah, I was. I started bawling when I watched it because yeah. it was just like it was man. so obvious too. Like it was like um, the guy would like give her a bath. She's like twelve, and he's like giving her a bath, and the mom would be like, "Well, go get your bath." Like, and I'll just be like, "That's you know, crazy." That's super obvious too. Like, yeah. and I'm just like, that blew my mind. And she's still yeah. in, like in contact with her mom and everything. I mean, look at you. You had Precious, you know, right? Which, although it was fiction, was cl- based on many true stories. Right. You know, like I had, I went to high school um, with uh, with the girl who. Uh, ended up getting pregnant by her mom's boyfriend and her mom kicked her out stayed with the man you know what I mean and that happens mm-hmm. and it's like what do we need to do you know what do you think that the problem is there with the mothers like I think it's a lot of competition in the home I think a lot of times with between mothers and daughters like that's just a historic <laughs> you know it's a, it's a historic thing I mean it's it happens um, where it's like you know like even with daughters and their fathers you know like especially in the black households a lot of times the daughter is the daddy's girl and yeah. the mom's like, oh. so it's it's sort of like you're trying to steal, like, that's the love he has for me. Although it's a different type of love. Like, yeah. this is a father-daughter love, and this is intimate type love. Mm-hmm. But it's still some kind of competition there between this man and this in the house. That, you know, maybe. I don't know. Dang. Do you think it, like, has anything to do with, like, that, um, I guess, the stereotype people say about, like, you know, fathers not being in the house or then, like, I don't know. Because I had an aunt mm-hmm. that was similar to that. She mm-hmm. went off. I, I'm going to tell the story. Yeah. I was, uh. How old was I? I think I was probably in ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking down the street and some man pulled up in a car and he was like trying to get my dick. I have a big back. I have a big butt. I'm not, I would say mm-hmm. backside, but I have a big butt. So yeah. I've, I've been getting a lot of attention since like the age of like seven wow. from like grown ass men. So it was just like that was already traumatizing. Right. So now I'm walking down the street and this guy pulls up. And me, I'm not, you know, trying to pay him any mind. And I'm just like, you know, leave me alone, basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, so he pulls off whatever. And I'm thinking that's the end of it. I get home. I was raised by my aunt. I get home and my aunt, she's like pissed at me. And she was just like, well, that was my friend. Like, why didn't you talk to him? Don't nobody want you. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that now. But of course, yeah. at that, that young age, I didn't know what to think. I was just, just like, like, what? Just confused. Yo, and I'm still not about to talk to him. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not. That's heavy, man. Yo. I th- I th- it's, it's a thing. It's a generational thing. Yeah. Though. You know, it's like things that we haven't addressed in centuries. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this attention and this pedestal that people are trying to build for themselves that is being taken by someone. It's, it's a lot of things that are under there. Yeah, that's and, um, something that we, we definitely just aren't addressing. Yeah. Because yeah. even that, even today it was a comment on the article I was just talking about with the mothers and the daughters. Um someone tagged me and um, this woman. And so the woman commented, she's like, you know, we need to start talking about the molestation that's happening from these women in our family on these little girls too. She's like, we always talk about the men, but she's like, I was molested by a female relative. Wow. And it's like, yeah. And it's something I'd never even thought about touching on, you know, like, damn, you're right. You know, it happens. Yeah. And I think your your documentary said it um, the best at the end. And um, the name of it was, the quote was, when I stepped outside the house, I found out that I was not alone. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once you do realize you're not alone, it will be a lot. It will be easier to talk about it yeah. and to get help. That's the that's the biggest thing. Again, I think it's just once you realize that you aren't the only one who who's gone through this and you're not the only one currently going through it. It's mm-hmm. like it's power in numbers. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, 
I can I can really do this. I can you know it's it's easier, mm-hmm. but it's still hard. But it's it a, it's a lot easier when you realize that there are other people who are fighting for you and with you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I guess just share your stories. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Just share. I mean, yeah. you, you have, we have to learn to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I think that's the because we 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 figured out we thought that strength was in you know being quiet and and not saying anything and not sharing our issues and our, sto- and our stories and all this stuff, but that's not it. I think the strength, the real strength is in being able to be naked in front of everyone else mm-hmm. and still carry on. Right. And so we have to learn to be vulnerable and naked for other people here. Yeah. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to go ahead and go into our next segment, which is going to be the Lemonade Pick of the Week. But since it's February, it's going to be the Black History Lemonade Pick of the Week. And uh, today or this week, um, our Lemonade Pick is going to go to Mammy Phipps Clark. She was a social psychologist who graduated from Howard, and she focused on the development of self-consciousness of preschool black children. So she was um, infamous infamously known for the doll experiments regarding race and segregation um, and basically it found out that school children preferred playing with like white dolls over black and basically um, she concluded everything saying that you know prejudice discrimination and segregation caused black children to develop a sense of inferior and self-hate so um, and this has also um, impacted the decision of the brown versus board education um, court case so she kind of she probably was the reason for the desegregation of uh, schools like yeah uh, she I, she was I'm sure she was a a, a, a big key ro- yeah, yeah. A key <laughs> role played a key role in that I mean and she works with a lot like color uh, colorism too um, like the the whole doll experiment it was like okay we need to figure out why then mm-hmm. these these kids want to play with these white dolls instead of the dolls that look like them and you start getting to the issues of well the black doll looks dirty and and it's like oh so now we have to deal with self-hate and, mm-hmm. and which go like even today we have these rappers and these folks who are saying you know i want me a light-skinned woman and, the, and you see these rappers who their their first baby mama before they made it was like brown like as black as me, me. You. Right. Like, <laughs> we, you know we're brown and then you see them making this money and all You're their like, women are puerto rican or white you know and it's like huh What's, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And you see what you see this whole change happening. And she she's at the beginning of that that whole movement. So that's yeah. you know, big ups to, to Mamie. So yeah, man. shout so, out to her. Yeah, that's big. Is it Mamie? Mamie, Mamie. It's, okay, M A M I E. Yeah. However she wants to be now. I knew a Mamie back in high school, so we called her Mamie. But uh, who knows? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to her. So she is definitely the limited pick of the week. Yeah, that's dope. Yes. And uh, the last segment is to love a black woman. Mm-hmm. So you can say something that you love about a black woman in particular, like yeah. your mother, sister, cousin, friend, or you can yeah. say something that you love about black women in general. Okay. Um, Take all the time you need to. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's talk. Let's talk about my mom real quick because it's her birthday month also. Uh, and so she, so my, like I always shout out my mom because she is the reason that I am who I am. Like she's she always fought for me, mm-hmm. um, even when she thought I was absolutely insane in like preschool. I remember it was a time in preschool when. I, I every report card I've ever had said talk too much in class. <laughs> I was always like the class clown. And uh, we were taking a nap one day. I was four years old. And they wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. They were like, no, because you were talking too much. You're not going to use the bathroom. And I was like, please. They said, no, go stand in the corner by the book. So I peed on all the books. <laughs> so the te- this preschool teacher smacked my leg. Oh. So my mom got there. I was like, yeah, she smacked my leg. My mom... Basically, the next day I had I was at a new preschool, <laughs> <laughs> so she's always fought for me uh, all the way up to high school. Um, 
And there was never a time when, whenever I said, okay, I, this is what I want to do, she found a way to make it happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, she always gave me the freedom that I needed and always trusted me to make the, per- the correct decisions and uh, was there if I didn't. So, yeah, that's why I love my mom. She's a black woman. So, yeah. and, and all black women, I, you know, like like in the film, like we were talking about, like black women have always been told they have to be strong for everyone. And so... I just want to say thank you to all the black women who've ever hugged me, who've ever loved me, who ever <laughs> let me sleep on their couch, who's ever fed me. Even now I'm broke, I'm poor, you know, <laughs> and I travel and uh, all the time I'll, I'm always relying on like a black woman somewhere in the world to say, hey, you know, I got a couple of the extra dollars. Here you go. Here's some extra food. So and uh, shout out to uh, all my friends who I love dearly, who are black women. Perfect. Thank yeah. you for that. And uh, before we go, where can they find you on like social media and if they want to see the film and all that stuff? Yeah, uh, social media is always crazy. What do I do on there? Oh, so I'm on um, Instagram uh, at Clever Bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Twitter at Skinny Genius. That's uh, J-E-A-N-I-U-S, Skinny Genius. Uh, Facebook, Darnell Lamont Walker. And the film is at outside the house doc doc dot com outside the house doc dot com and also the the first film is uh, seeking asylum film dot com mm-hmm. so it's about black people leaving the states because we're scared to live here because nobody respects us and the world is anti-black but the u.s is more so yeah so, it's like yeah. the leading it's leading the fight <laughs> in black and black genocide so yeah. we you know Every day, so struggle. we gotta get you out. I'm yeah, trying to, no, try to pull you out. You don't even have so to. We try to that's not much persuading. <laughs> I'm about to send in. The, I'm about to send in the force to come and get you. Not much persuading. So yeah. it's like the password. I'm pretty sure soon after that, I'm because mm-hmm. I'm I'm ready. Exactly. Come on through. Come <laughs> but through. I do appreciate you doing this interview yeah, and taking the time like, while time. you're here I for this little bit. It. I had to do it. I really I'm do. I'm so excited. Yeah. If, I, if you ever want me to come back, I'm always down for oh, it. As soon as you, every time you hear, I hit yeah, you up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you guys again for listening every other Tuesday. You know, as always, I appreciate you guys and um, I'll see you next time. See ya.